You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Koop. Last week and the, the, leading up to this, we've been talking about how much God loves us, how much He's forgiven us, what He's done for us. And the more we meditate on that, the more we realize that, the more we want to love Him back. He, he first loved us. Uh, our verse for the month is 1 John 4.10. This is real love that He first loved us. And that he gave his son as a sacrifice for our sins. That was our verse for the month. And uh, you'll find that every month there will be another verse to memorize. And it's in your bulletin all the time. And so we thought we'd do something different this year. We thought it would be great if we memorized a verse a month. Now that's the gold level. If you want to do the platinum level, you memorize one verse a week. And at the bottom of your notes today, there's a verses for all of February. And so I, I challenge you, I dare you, I double dog dare you to memorize a verse a week. And watch what will happen to you as you memorize God's word. We're learning the Ten Commandments. We've already memorized those. And uh, we're going to memorize the books of the Bible. For some of us, we know it. Uh, some of us don't. But we'll be refreshed if we, if we don't know it. But we're just going to be more devoted to God's word. And believe, again, as we do that, his life will flow through us. The more you put faith in God's word, the more it produces life in you. Uh, we, we build faith, we build trust when somebody communicates something to us and we hear it and then we, we put trust in that and faith or trust in God comes by hearing his word and then putting action to what you hear. The most precious thing that you have in your life, it's not your car, it's not your bank account, it's not your RRSPs, it's not your gold. The most precious thing you have is your faith and uh, faith again comes by hearing his word and being devoted to his word. Now, uh, a lot of faith has to do with the way we listen, the way we hear. Where we're going this morning is Mark chapter 4. And prior to the story we're going to get into, Mark chapter 4, Jesus spends quite a bit of time talking to them, teaching them about a parable, about the word, about the sower sowing the word. And the word is God's word, the seed. He, the, the sower sows the seed, which is the word. And he starts off this whole series with one word. One word uh, in a sentence with an exclamation mark. And it's simply this. Listen, exclamation mark. That's how he starts it. Listen, exclamation mark. And then he goes in to tell the story about the parable sowing the seed and so forth. And uh, it's so much related. Our faith, where we are to God, is so much related to the way we listen. Because you could be here this morning and you could be, you could be nodding your head. Uh, but you're, you're not listening. You're, you're in another world. You're thinking about that lunch you're going to have in a little bit. And man, I got a dinner reservation down the street. We're going for brunch this morning. And, uh, and so you, you could, it looks like you're listening, but you might not be listening. Uh, youth sometimes fool me. Sometimes I think youth aren't listening. I think they're kind of doodling or daydreaming. But they, they've, they've, they've heard every word that I've said. And so uh, you can listen and, uh, and hear it, but not have it stick too. So he tells a whole story about the different ways people listen. Sometimes we listen, our mind is so cluttered with other stuff that uh, after we go, it, it just gets all, we lose it. And so the way you listen today is really related to the way that it, your faith is going to work. So that was the background to the story. And then he's going to go in, he's going to, we're going to find the disciples uh, in, in trouble. And uh, their future looks really bleak. So we have that story coming up. And that's where we're going to spend most of our time this morning and their future. And it looks like it's, it's history for them. And then uh, we have another situation where the, the, it looks very bleak for an individual. And uh, this person, uh, after 
we won't tell his story, but all these stories are all about someone whose future is, uh, looks terrible. This person's future is, it looks like he's going to die in the mountains, a madman. And this guy lives in the mountains, he lives in caves, and he's tormented, his mind is tormented, he's tormented with the evil spirits, and he does something that's not uncommon today. He cuts. Uh, you've, in, they tell us in British Columbia, about 15% of young girls cut. Where they'll, that, that's how they, it's, it's a terrible thing. This guy is cutting, and he's in the mountain. His future looks terrible. He's been banished, and it looks like his, his future's bleak, but Jesus shows up. And then there's another person here, and his, pers- his future looks bleak because he's got one girl in his family. He's got one child, a daughter, 12 years old, and she's dying. And so he had all these dreams of when she got married, and he'd have a son-in-law, they have grandkids, and, and that's all gone. And it looks like he's very prominent, he has a very high position in the town, and it looks like his daughter's going to die. So his future's bad. And then we have another woman, and she's, uh, her future looks bad because she's got an incurable disease. She has a blood condition. She's been sick for 12 years, and she used to have money, but she spent all her money. She didn't have the Canadian health care plan, and uh, so she had to spend her own money and no insurance plan. So she spent it all, and, and she's broke, she's sick, and it looks like her life's done, but she meets Jesus. So in this chapter here, Chapter 4, and then into chapter 5, all these people's future looks like it's pretty rough. But Jesus shows up, their future becomes much different, and they become devoted followers of God. The big idea for this morning is simply this. When you realize that God is really caring about you, it may look bleak, but when you invite him into your boat, so to speak, and say, Lord, I invite you into my life, we have an amazing future ahead of us, no matter what we're going through. And when we hold on to that, we become devoted followers. When we see how much he cares about us, it becomes uh, a passion for us to follow him devotedly. So that's where we are this morning. And uh, if you have your Bibles, go to Mark chapter uh, 4. We're going to be in verse 33 to 41. The verse, by the way, for this week, if you're memorizing the verse a week, is Jeremiah 29, 11. Now, some of you may have already memorized this verse. How many have memorized Jeremiah 29? Wow, a good number of you. Way to go. So that's your freebie for the month. You already got that one done. You know, it's like playing bingo. You got a free one. So there you go. That's your free one for the month. But if you haven't memorized Jeremiah 29, 11, I really encourage you to do that. It says here, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Do you know God was thinking a lot about you? It's all good, and he has a future for you. By the way, when that verse was written, it wasn't very good. Their future looked terrible. They were captive in Babylon, and it looked like them and their children and their children's children were going to be captives and slaves for the rest of their life. And God says, no, that's not the case. I have a future for you. And this morning, you just have to know, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're worried about. I don't know what you're anxious about. But God cares about you, and there's a great future ahead of you. And you may think, well, look what I've done. Look what I'm going through. Well, here's what's happening. And you sometimes even want to disconnect from God. Don't disconnect. Stay passionate. He's in control. There's a great future ahead of you. So, Mark chapter 4, verses 33 to 40. And uh, today, I would like you, if you could, to stand with me. And we're going to read it out loud. Uh, I'll read it out loud. You can just stand along, stand up and follow along. But throughout this year, we sometimes just stand for the reading of his word because we want to show respect and honor for the word. So, Mark chapter 4, verses 33 to 41. And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. Again, the importance of hearing. 
but without a parable he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let's cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And when they awoke and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? You can be seated. That's Mark chapter 4 parable or the story of the storm and what the disciples did with it. There's some things you want to learn from this this morning. And one of the first things you want to learn is that Jesus knows our future. He said to the disciples, we're going to go to the other side. Now, it's very simple. If Jesus says you're going to the other side, guess what? You're going to the other side. You may need a submarine to get there. You may have to paddle a lot. You may have, I don't know what, but you are going to go to the other side. He makes that declaration. We're going to the other side. You are going to go to the other side. And when the Lord is with you and says, it's going to be okay, it may look chaotic. The facts may say you're going to perish, but put your eyes on the faith in his word, and you're going to see that it's going to be all right. Secondly, we learn that storms will arise, and they do threaten our future. And uh, you don't always, are, you're not always able to predict when the storms come. They don't give you notice. You know, they, you don't get an email saying, by the way, in July, such and such a storm is going to hit. You, you don't get off of those types of forecasts. Uh, somebody once said, there's actually, here is a storm forecast. This would apply to everybody this morning. This is a storm forecast. You have just gotten out of a storm. Or number two, you're in one right now. Or I hate to tell you, number three, you're heading for one. So that's the storm forecast for life. And they say, well, I thought if I became a Christian and uh, was a follower of Jesus, I wouldn't have any storms. No, you will have storms in life. The good news is that he's going to be with you through every storm. We read here in verse 35, that when evening had come, when the evening had come. So it's at the end of the day. Jesus had worked hard. The disciples had worked hard. It's the evening. They're going to get in a boat. They're going to go to the other side. It's about seven miles across this lake or the Sea of Galilee. And uh, they're going to go to the other side when evening had come. Do you find in life that sometimes at the most inappropriate time, challenges come? It would be better if you could. God, could we have done this on another day? Like this is not good timing for this financial crisis. It's not good timing for this relationship challenge that I'm in. This is really not good timing. I'm tired. It's been a long day. It's evening. Could we not have this in the morning when the sun's shining or something? And so you don't get to pick when the storms come. But the good news is, again, that he is with you. Your future's not over just because the storms come. When we follow close to the Lord, and they were following, because he said, let us cross. So they were close to him, and yet the storm came up. They left the multitude, and they were with him. And you wouldn't expect that they would have this storm, but it does come up. There's a fellow by the name of David Smallbone, and he had felt God was... uh, really with him, and he was having great success. They were promoting concerts in Australia. And uh, one particular concert failed miserably, and he ended up 
personally losing $250,000. That's a quarter of a million dollars, a lot of money, and it wiped them out. He had to just uh, shut it all down, and now they're, they're under a financial crisis. They're in a financial storm, and uh, he's praying, saying, God, what am I going to do with this? He gets a call from a company in Nashville, and they said, why don't you come here and work for us, and we have a contract for you, and you can promote concerts here for us. So he moves his family to from Australia to Nashville and uh, that was a big expense and they're already struggling financially they get there but you know what we got a great contract things are going to be okay he lands there and then he finds out that they've cancelled it so now he's moved everybody there and it's in the midst of the storm and his future looks so bleak just like these others in Mark chapter 4 and 5 their future looks bleak and uh, he's depressed he can't get out of bed for three days you know, anxiety leads to depression. And uh, the enemy would like just you to retreat and just go in a corner somewhere, pull the sheets over your head and just kind of stay there. But you won't get out of a storm that way. Amen? Man, that's for somebody this morning. That's not the way out of this thing. That's not the way to the other side. And he's there and he's just feeling so discouraged and so defeated. And now what am I going to do? I got a family and I, I've left my country. I, where, where am I going to go? But he, he, he did something that's really important. He, he, he said, no, wait, wait a minute. I'm going to get my family together, and we're going to go back to God's Word. We're going to look at His promises. It looks like we're going to drown here financially, but I'm going to go back and look at His Word, and we're going to pray. And so they put their faith in God and prayed and, and just said no and, and, and stood strong. And then something strange happened. Somebody started uh, bringing some food by. They, they were to the place. They didn't have money for food. Somebody donated a, a van to them. They had a 15-year-old daughter named Rebecca. And they said, Rebecca, your daughter sings good. And, and so they let her make a, a CD. And she had this CD. And she released it. And uh, her, her name that she used, the last name was, a, a, was the other family name, which was St. James. And her name is Rebecca St. James. And if you know the story of Rebecca St. James, she became an incredible artist and still to this day one of the most influential women in, in the Christian world. And out of, that, out of that, where it looked like their future was over, all of a sudden out of that storm came this amazing, amazing future for them. And uh, so I encourage you, when you're following the Lord, don't, don't quit. Uh, just keep your eyes on Him. He's going to take you to the other side. You have a future. They came became even more devoted in following the Lord. Verse 36, an interesting verse, and something popped out to me here. This would be a message all of its own, but verse 36, it says, they took him along in the boat as he was. As he was. Uh, Jesus didn't have to change anything. He just took Jesus in their boat as he was. May I propose to you today, take Jesus in your boat as he is. You know, Jesus is not your homeboy. You don't get to change Jesus into something that you want. You, you, you take Jesus as he is. Here's, here's, the, here's the deal. It's really simple. You change, not him. We don't change Jesus, so he's a Jesus we like. Well, I want Jesus who's just a good teacher. No, he's, he's, that, that would be an insult. He's, he's the son of God. Uh, I want Jesus to change this or that. No, you take Jesus as he is into your life. And that's the whole message on its own. I was watching Piers Morgan a few months ago, and he was interviewing a very well-known pastor from the United States, and and Piers Morgan was challenging him. He said, you know, you're a very influential man. You have all these followers on Twitter, and you have all this exposure. You know, you really should should be doing something uh, more 
positively to bring the Bible in line with the culture of today and bring this Jesus into the line with the culture of today. And he he was so articulate. He said, no, we're not going to do that. We don't change the Bible and we don't change Jesus. We change. Well said. He, He did a good job of representing it. So when we bring Jesus into our boat, we bring him as he is. We don't, we do the changing, not him. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Exactly. Now, when the storms threaten us, what should we do? There's something he's trying to teach them here. And he's trying to teach them to go to the Father. Jesus came that we could have a relationship with the Father. What was restored? The relationship with our Father was lost in the Garden of Eden. Jesus comes, one of his primary purpose, or the primary purpose, is that our relationship with the Father could be restored. And he wanted them to go to the Father. He wanted them to go to God. Mark eleven twenty two says, have faith in God. I know it sounds simple. But what he wants them to do is have faith in the Father. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Take your problems to the Father. Take them to God. Now, as far as I can tell, they had three options in that boat that day. Uh, Put yourself in the picture. Put yourself in the boat. Man, when you're in that situation, I've never been on a boat that's about to go down and been bailing it out. But I've been on a plane where there's been a bumpy ride. If you've been on a plane where there's a bumpy ride, oh dear, this thing could go down. You know what? You're thinking about your family. You're thinking about maybe writing a quick note or something. And and you're... you know what grips you? Fear grips you. And, and you have to do something. So I'm not going to be too hard on these disciples because I probably would have done the same thing. But as far as I can tell, they had three options. One, go wake up Jesus and say, help, we're, we're in a whole lot of trouble, which is what they did. But apparently that wasn't the right thing to do because he rebukes them for that. He, he says, he's, where's your faith? And so the, their approach apparently wasn't correct. Secondly, they could have kept trying to sail and row and no Evinrude motor on this boat. You know, this is all oars and, and a sail. They could have kept bailing out the water, but they likely would have drowned. So that wasn't a good option. The third option, apparently, the Lord was trying to teach him is, you guys, I've been trying to teach you, have faith in God. I have given you, you have it, it's there, go to the Father, and he's there for you. Exercise your faith. Even if it's just a mustard seed, exercise your faith. He's only got these guys for a couple years, and then they're going to change the world. And one of the key things to do is teach them the importance and the power of faith. Yeah. Have faith in God. You had faith today. You came in. You sat down on the pew. Nobody came in and checked it out and said, oh, man, I hope that thing's strong enough for me. When was the last time they tightened the screws in this pew? Let me just check it out. Okay. No, you just came in, you sat down. Because you have faith in things or you have faith in a person. You have faith in a pilot. You get on the plane, you walk down the, the ramp, you get onto the plane, the waitress or the stewardess says, oh, what's your seat number? Or you're seated in 12F, it's down the row there, and away you go. And you, and you sit down, you have faith in the pilot. If you don't have a faith in the pilot, you're not getting on the plane, but you have faith in the pilot. You have faith in the bank. You go to the bank and say, here's my check, I worked hard all month. And you give, it, you, you give the check to them. They say, thank you very much. We'll put it here. And so you trust the bank. You have faith in the bank. To have faith in somebody is really, it's to have trust in somebody, it's a compliment. If you just say somebody, you know, I trust you. 
That, that's a compliment. You, but the opposite is an insult. Say, I don't trust you. If I, if I said to, to Carrie on the front, I said, Carrie, I don't trust you. You would, you would you'd push back. That, that, that hurts. I don't trust you. Relationships are broken that way. This is about a relationship with our father. One of the greatest things we can say to our father is, Father, I trust you. And they were, here they were, he said, why don't you trust God? Why don't you have faith in him? You're in the middle of a storm. I said we're going to the other side. Trust God. It's going to be okay. The issue for most people is not, is there a God? Most people believe in God. The real issue is, what kind of a God is he? What is he really like? Do I matter to him? Will he listen? Will he care? We have some strange ideas about God, but I want to make it clear today that God really, really cares about your future. He cares about you in the storm, and he wants you to come to him and ask for help in the middle of it. Verse 40 says, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is that you have no faith? Verse 38, they came to him. They said, do you not care? This is an interesting verse. Let me read the whole thing. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. Now, you talk about peace. In the middle of the storm, Jesus is sleeping. And by the way, he's tired. He's human. This is the incarnation. Fully God, fully man. But he gets tired like everybody else. And he's in the boat sleeping. Fully confident, fully at peace. They come to him. They wake him up. And they say to him, listen carefully. Teacher, do you not care? Don't you care? Wow. The one who cares the most is Jesus. The one who thinks about it the most is our Father. He's the one who really, really cares. They, what do they do? And this is why, again, he talks about their faith. They were doubting his goodness. They were doubting that he cared. Now, he, he, they've seen a lot. He, he's shown a lot. He, he's taught a lot. On the Sermon on the Mount... He's on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you guys, you're worried. You're worried. You're worried. You're worried about what to buy. You're worried about what to eat. You're worried about what to wear. And he goes, guess what? Look at the lilies. Look, look at the flowers. They, they're here today. They're gone tomorrow. But you're so much more valuable than them. Look at the sparrow. Now, one sparrow falls and it doesn't touch the father's eye. And you're more valuable than them. One time I was going through... Lots of changes. My heart was anxious and I was worried about stuff. And I'm praying and I'm just, oh God, help me this, help me that. I'm just praying away. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm driving down the road and he says, consider the lilies, David. This, this came in my heart. Consider the lilies. And I was like, yes, God, consider the lilies. Thank you for lilies and driving down the road. And it came again, consider the flowers. Yes, Lord, thank you for flowers. They're beautiful. You're a great artist. You're a great creator. I praise you, Lord. God, back to the problems. And I'm just, and he says, consider the flowers. And I'm still not getting it. Lord, thank you for flowers. They're beautiful. You've made many kinds. You're a God of diversity. I praise you. Amen. God, now help these people. I'm going back to praying on all these problems. And it's again, it's getting louder. David, consider the flowers. Look at the flowers. Yes, Lord, look at the flowers, look at the flowers. Yes, look at the flowers, the flowers are beautiful. And finally, after about 10 minutes of this, oh, you want me to stop and look at the flowers? And then he doesn't say anything. Okay, so I'm driving. It's not on the freeway, it's in a suburb. And so I thought, well, okay. 
So I slowed the car down, pulled over, got out, found some flowers, and looked at the flowers. <laughs> I know it sounds really stupid. The people thought it looked stupid too, I'm sure. But anyway, I stopped the car, and I just looked at the flowers. You know, sometimes you've got to just slow down life enough to know that he really cares for flowers, he really cares for the birds, but we are of so much more value than them. He holds the future of the flowers in their hands. We wouldn't doubt that, would we? We wouldn't doubt that he has the future of the eagles in his hands, would we? Well, why would we doubt that he wouldn't have our future in his hands? And when we know that he really cares about us, that we, he holds us close, then we can be fully devoted to him. Trust him. Have faith in him. By the way, it did work out better. I, I got it. I got back into my car, and also my problems seemed to melt And I wasn't worried about tomorrow. He ends that discourse in Matthew chapter 6. He says, don't worry about your future. Don't worry about tomorrow. And for some of us, for a lot of us here this morning, this message is not untimely. As, As a matter of fact, I think the Holy Spirit's spot on. Far too many of us in here today, we're way too worried about our future. We're worried about having enough money to retire. We're worried about getting into school. We're worried about getting a job. We're worried about having children. We're worried about what our children are going to do. And he's saying, will you stop worrying? You have a future. It's going to be okay. Put faith in me. Trust me. It's going to be okay. We're going to the other side. Will you have some storms? Yes. But trust me, in the middle of the storms, it's going to be okay. Now, he, he wants them to learn something about this. He wants them to learn how to exercise their faith. In verse 39, it says, He arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. Notice two verbs there, rebuke and said. And he, we, we sometimes just lump this together, but let's just step back a bit and, and, and dig into this. You, you can't just read the Bible. You have to read the Bible. And realize there's some great truths here. He said, He rebukes the wind. It doesn't say what he said to the wind. He rebuked the wind and said to the sea. To the sea, we know he says, peace be still. We don't know exactly what he said to the wind, but he rebuked it. Maybe he said something like, wind, stop. Wind, enough. I don't know what he said, but he rebukes the wind and he says to the sea, peace be still. The sea, the waves, that's the circumstances. But behind the waves, there was a force that stirred up the waves. That was the wind. And he rebukes the wind. And in our lives, there is a force at work that will try to stir up the circumstances in your life. And that needs to be rebuked. He gave us authority to speak to the powers of darkness. He said, we don't wrestle flesh and blood, but principalities, rules of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. That's where we rebuke. And then peace be still to our circumstances. There's a great lesson right there on the power of prayer, speaking to the powers of darkness, and then speaking peace over our circumstances. Some storms, now not all storms, some storms are directly related to demonic activity. Now, if you're driving down the highway and you got a heavy foot and you're going 150 kilometers in a 100-kilometer speed zone and you got a police officer pull you over and you're in a storm, honey, that's your fault. That's not the devil's fault, okay? You just were going too fast. But we have other storms in life that come along. We say, where is this coming from? 
I'm plugged in. I'm following God. He's with me. I'm, and all of a sudden, I don't know where the storm comes. Ah. What does he want us to do? Be in fear or be in faith? Because you can't have both. You can't have fear and faith. Either in fear or you're in faith. Fear looks at the circumstances as we're drowning. Faith says, wait a minute, that's a fact. I'm not going to focus on the facts. I'm going to take my faith and focus it on God's word, that he never leaves me. He never forsakes me. He's with me even to the end of this age. And I trust him in the middle of this and rebuke that and move on. John 16, 33, need to get this verse in here. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence Wow, isn't that a good recipe for success? Perfect peace and confidence. Where do I get that from? In him. In me you have that. That's the source of it. Uh, In the world, now follow along here because this might apply to some of us. In the world you have tribulation, trials, distress, and frustration. Can anybody relate to that? Frustration, trials, tough stuff. He says you have that. We all have it. But be of good cheer. Helps to smile in life, even when you're going through tough times. Take courage, take it, be confident, certain, undaunted. Why? For I've overcome the world, I've deprived it of power to harm you, and I have conquered it for you. Wow. That's a great verse. Another great verse, I don't have it in your notes, but you could write it down, is Hebrews 13.5. This is out of the Amplified Bible again. It says here, for he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. In the middle of the storm, please know that God deeply, deeply cares for you. Don't operate in fear. Operate in faith. Stay plugged into him. Let me just wrap this up. We want to take communion yet this morning, and I want to wrap this up because it ties in together. Our future is beyond this life. Does he help us here while we're on planet Earth? Does he give us a future here and a hope? Absolutely. But when we go through death's door, and the last time I checked in Canada, the mortality rate is still 100%. So we all, we all going to go through this door sometime. And if you aren't sure of what's ahead of you, It can be very daunting. You can be very fearful. But when you know, when you go through death's door, that your future is in him, it can be totally different. Yesterday, we had one of the best memorial services I've ever been at. Wayne McConnell went to be home with the Lord unexpectedly. The family's in a storm. The life was pretty peaceful. And all of a sudden, everything's changed. Marilyn, Wayne's wife, said to us yesterday, she says, you know, we finally reached retirement age and we're looking forward to riding the ferry for free. We're looking forward to this summer we're going to have. And you know, just little things. And now my whole world just seemed like it was in a storm. But she puts her faith in God. It was an amazing service. I won't tell you all about the service. it take too much time. But just one little snippet. I've never seen this at a funeral or memorial service. We sang the last hymn when we sung that song. And I said, okay, the, 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 the family is going to go down the middle aisle. They're going to be exiting. And that concludes our service. You know what the people did? They clapped. I thought, they're clapping. It was, there was such joy, such peace that they, were, they spontaneously celebrated the Lord and celebrated his life. 
It was so healthy. It was a, such a picture of amazing faith and trust. He said, how could that be? Look at Colossians chapter, it's in your notes. Colossians 3.12, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights. I don't know where you have your sights set, but Paul said, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at God's right hand in the place of honor and power. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not only think about things down here on earth. We can get so consumed with the problems and worries we have here. And he says, you know what? Got to think about heaven as well. You have an amazing, amazing future ahead of you. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And one day, folks, he's coming back. One day, there will be a new heavens and a new earth. Oh, yeah. This universe, stars, planets, earth, it will pass away. And there's a new heavens and a new earth coming. And I can see people going, oh, yeah, really? I read an interesting article this week. I wish I had more time to talk about it, but it was a a science article. And a year ago, they did this experiment where they were trying to find the God particle or this Higgs boson particle. And so they did all the studies on this. And the scientists came back and they wrote this week. And the article said, just read a little bit out of it uh, for you this morning. I thought it was so fascinating. I love it when science verifies scripture. And it said there, if you use all the physics that we know now and you do what you think is straightforward calculations, it's bad news. It may be that the universe we live in is unstable at some point, even billion years from now, it'll be, it's going to be wiped out. In other words, they say this universe is going to go. And then they go on to say, a little bubble of what you might think as an alternative universe will appear somewhere, and then it'll expand and destroy us, and it's going to happen at the speed of light. So they said, this universe, the way you know it, it's going to go, it's going to pass, but there's a new universe coming, and it's going to come at the speed of light. That's what the science said when they studied this particle. Now, if you go back to your notes, and you read 2 Peter 3.13, but we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth, which he has promised, a world which everyone is right with God. They could have just gone to 1 Peter and found out that this universe is passing, there's a new one coming, it would have been cheaper, but I think it's good that they verified it. We have a great future ahead of us. Not just a new heavens and new earth. We have a future with God forever. We can be fully devoted to Him because we know He holds our future. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.